Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing and probably you, have thought a lot about what makes for peace, justice, and world healing. In fact, the purpose of Spirit in Action is to find people who are doing that kind of blessing for the world and try and understand where the motivation comes from and how it's supported so it can grow. I think that at one time I might have said that knowledge is all you need, and when people know the right facts, they'll do the right things. That's part of the answer, but I do not believe it is that simple because I've known many people with access to all the facts who still seem to get it wrong and go a very hurtful way. Another part of the answer is, I think, the things that touch our hearts as well as our heads. And for me at least, and I think for so many of us, music and story touch the heart where no lecture can go. Which leads me to the People's Music Network, an association of musicians and their friends who make music to improve and heal the world. Ben Grosskup is a singer-songwriter, and he's head of the People's Music Network. Ben has a B.A. in Anthropology of Science and Technology at Hampshire College, focusing on questions of democracy and technology, and he serves on the board of the Institute for Social Ecology. Ben Grosskup joins us by phone from Western Massachusetts. Ben, welcome to Spirit in Action. Thanks, Mark. How long have you been connected with People's Music Network? I've been a member of PMN since 2005, and I've been serving as the director of People's Music Network since last November. So you're called the director, not the president, not the dictator, nothing like that? <laughs> That's right. I am basically working with this group of musicians and activists that has been around since the 1970s. first summer gathering was in 1977, and the first winter gathering was in 1981, the same year I was born. This is a group that has been promoting music for social change for a long time, and i am come on board to help carry out a bunch of the things that, that we want to be doing as a network, reaching out to more musicians and activists and having a greater online presence. We've been having these face-to-face gatherings for many years, and now it's time to kind of extend our presence into the digital world as well. That's an interesting thought, because when you say social change, I think you're identifying liberal or progressive, maybe even radical social change, that end of the spectrum, because I guess there can be social change towards the conservative side, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that PMN, although I don't think we have like a strictly professed political ideology, I would say that most of our members are fairly far left and have a certain attitude about their music that it's like, it's not just art for art's sake. It's like art for a political purpose. And like 
some artists will frown on that and some art critics will frown on that and definitely bourgeois organizations that control how art gets disseminated into the world definitely frown on that. You know, they want an apolitical art form out there that doesn't threaten power and that doesn't really change people's perceptions of power. The thing that we as musicians have, I think, a real key into is being able to talk about problems out there in ways that really reach people, that touch people on a heart level as well as a head level. And I think that we have gifts as musicians that the progressive social movements that we're embedded in really have much to gain from. The purpose of PMN is really about putting out there to the world that these tools we carry as musicians, really as stewards of a, of a long tradition of using music for social change, these tools are relevant politically to our comrades in the left, in progressive movements, in labor movements, the environmental movement, women's rights, gay rights, uh, environmental justice, and the list goes on. And how long have you been connected with that kind of music? I mean, you're in your early, mid-30s, so did you grow up with this? You're, you're a generation behind me. Well, I live in Western Massachusetts, but I grew up in, in Minneapolis, and I think my first exposure to this kind of music was when I was working as a volunteer in a pirate radio station called Free Radio Twin Cities. I don't know if it still exists, but we had a unlicensed radio station based in somebody's garage, and we broadcasted radical ideas out into the neighborhoods of South Minneapolis. One of the things that was sitting there in this garage of, of one of the collective members was a CD by a fellow named Phil Oakes. And Phil Oakes had a distinguished career as a troubadour of the left. He was writing songs about the Vietnam War and how the Vietnam War was totally unjust. He had songs like I Ain't Marching Anymore, which was so inspiring to a whole generation of anti-war activists. He was writing about racial justice. This guy was really getting around. I just started learning his songs because I had already been playing, you know, other kinds of songs. But I was like, this, you know, hearing this voice from a whole generation removed from me was so inspiring to me and made me want to educate myself in this craft of song making, in this craft of learning songs that really speak to the injustices going on around us and that inspire people to act. So when you found Phil Oak's music, that wasn't your style of music? You weren't a folky already? I was into ska music, to be honest with you. I was uh, in a ska band and playing kind of goofy songs. But I was an activist. I was politically minded at a young age. And it was through Phil Oaks, I think, that I first had the inclination to connect my radical anti-war activism working in the peace movement in Minneapolis with my musical talents, which were just kind of emerging at the time. I've met a handful of your members of the People's Music Network. How many of you are there and where are you distributed? PMN is a network. We are a group of musicians and activists who are supporting each other to improve our craft, to find love and community. I mean, it's, I think people say that a lot about PMN. It's a very loving community of people who genuinely care about each other and want to use music as a way to sort of deepen that connection. We're a national organization. Many of our members are in the northeast part of the United States. Our gatherings have historically taken place on the northeast, but we've been as far out, as far west as Chicago, and as far south as North Carolina. 
So we have a, a, a membership role, and but I think the, the, the reach of PMN is really all the different activists and musicians that have crossed paths with us have participated in our gatherings and uh, increasingly now have been participating in our online presence. We have a new project called uh, People's Music Network Song of the Month, where we are featuring songs on specific topics of social justice each month. Basically, we, we designate one month with a, a topic like uh, the first month was May. We released on May 1st songs about the financial crisis. And we are using the focus point of like a single topic and then we get judges who are leaders in activist movements that are working on those specific topics like the financial crisis together and have them say which of these songs is most politically effective, which one is most musically and lyrically well-crafted. And then we try to you know, highlight those songs that really resonated well with the judges. And actually for June, the topic is the climate crisis. And then right now we're accepting submissions for songs about mass incarceration and the new Jim Crow. So we really run the gamut of different progressive issues. Uh, the month of August is going to be focused on hydrofracking and the resistance to this insult against our Earth. Well, you mentioned that for May, the topic is the whole financial mess, I guess. And the song I saw on the PMNsongofthemonth.org website, I saw the song is Plunder by Polar Levine. Polar Levine, yeah. Polar Levine submitted this song. He's got a whole album of songs about the financial crisis. He's been really involved in Occupy Wall Street and part of the musicians group that formed around Occupy Wall Street. He's a talented artist and songwriter, and he entered his song into the ring for May, and the judges responded most strongly to that one. His website is polarityone.com. And the song is Plunder. I, I think we should listen to it since it's your first PMN Song of the Month. Yeah. Your Honor, for many years, I operated a Ponzi scheme through the investment advisory side of my business. I knew what I was doing was wrong, indeed criminal. The shine on America's shoes got gold. When Wall Street stepped into the fold Congress paid off, workers paid off Stanford, AIG, and Madoff Credit swaps, credit stops Empty wallets and empty shops Then bank walking in AAA Grandpa loses 401k
People's Music Network, their website, peoplesmusic.org. They also have a second site that they just started, and that song you just heard, Plunder by Polar Levine, that is on pmnsongofthemonth.org. It's just an example of some of the kind of music that they like to highlight at People's Music Network. Now, that, that was your brainchild, right, the Song of the Month thing? Yeah, this has been developing out of a long-term conversation at PMN. We hired a consultant a few years ago to do some interviewing of PMN artists who've participated in the network over the last two or three decades. We wanted to know from people, people who had come in the past but we hadn't seen in a while, what are your thoughts about how an organization dedicated to promoting music for social change can really be relevant in today's world? And One of the pieces of feedback we got was the need to have a stronger online presence. We've developed this, it's really a collaboration. One of the other steering committee members, he lives in Michigan, uh, Steve Deasy, also a songwriter and artist in his own right. He and I have been closely collaborating on pulling this project together. And we want to get a good diversity of different artists in there. And we want to disprove this idea out there that somehow you know, since the days of Phil Oaks and since the days of 
protest music and Joan Baez, that, that somehow, you know, we don't have political protest singers anymore. We do have them, but what we don't have is a media culture that nurtures and promotes and really gives proper recognition to this kind of artistry that's happening all over the place. What we're trying to do with PMN's Song of the Month is bring that kind of focus to the work that is being done out there. I mean, it's, it's a hard environment, whether you're talking about venues or going to radio stations. I mean, it's wonderful that you have this station, Mark, to really focus on the artistry that progressive singer-songwriters are, are creating. It's just that we are struggling against, really, a world that has not been very conducive to that. I'm going to toss in a bit of my philosophy or my thinking, my analysis over the years. One of the things that we like to talk about on the left is community, but in some ways our individualism, it's like I do what I do, I put this foot in, that foot out because you know, I've got to keep my integrity. That makes it harder to really have someone else's back. I think back to the times of the unions where people really did have each other's back. It's like I'm putting my life on the line for you. Do you sense that kind of struggle at all? Or You just said already that People's Music Network is a loving, supportive community. Is it really people have got each other's back? I think so. I think that the kind of artist who's attracted to PMN is the sort of artist who sees himself in the context of a broader movement. You know, I think that we as artists are pressured constantly to think of our careers in individualistic ways. You know, there's a certain amount of that that may arguably be necessary in order to survive uh, economically as an artist. But I think even if that's the case, it's still also the case that we can rise above that sort of atomizing process of the music industry and niche marketing your music to really ask the question, you know, how does my music benefit broader social movements? How does my music benefit the increasing of political consciousness in a whole society? And I think what we're trying to do at PMN is to lift one another up as artists so that we can all be more effective at our craft. And our craft is about telling truth to the world. Yeah, I'm really heartened to hear that people are aware both of their own career and of the need to work together, the atoms and the molecules. Is it your experience that it's really hard to break into the media? I mean, you, you said you're glad I'm doing my program, but I experience the issue that community radio stations carry this, and I think we need to support community radio stations. But it, it's not real obvious to get on other stations. Uh, public radio, which has a, a bent that I usually like, still won't carry things that are too hot. Do your members have a hard time getting into those kind of venues? Oh, definitely. I mean, our, our artist in residence, Magpie, actually wrote this wonderful song called Too Political, and it's, it's a song that they wrote about the difficulty it, they have as musicians, very accomplished musicians in their own right. You know, they can play a variety of different genres of music, but, you know, when they start opening their mouths and saying stuff about, you know, what's wrong with the world, what's unjust about the wars that our country is funding, what's unjust about the racism that we see all around us, you know, there's, there's a resistance to that and a real reticence on the part of a lot of venue promoters to want to present that sort of thing to their audiences. So the artists and residents, they're going to be at the gathering in this summer. They were at the winter gathering in New York City last January, 
they play kind of a special role leading the plenary and doing one-on-one workshop mentoring with artists. Let's listen to Greg and Terry. They are collectively Magpie in the song Too Political. Tried to get a gig playing out on the village square Where the people came with picnic blankets, shades and folding chairs But when the big promoter heard our songs, he got critical He said, sorry guys, but content-wise your songs are too political Too political, too political Now I don't mean to sound hypercritical Can't book no singing folk Whose lyrics might provoke Your music is just way too political He said, can't you just play some country jazz or blues Don't you know some bluegrass or a sweet love song or two We don't want the folks to feel uncomfortable or cynical Your spirits sink if you make them think Your songs are too political, too political Too political to sound hypercritical Can't put no singing folk Whose lyrics might provoke Your music is just way too political of People's Music Network, or at least it fits for that group. It's by Magpie, Too Political is the song. And when you get together and you have these gatherings, does everybody do political? Are there no love songs? Are they verboten? They are not verboten, no. There are a variety of songs that people want to bring, and people are free to do that. I and mean, there's a lot of music sharing. One of our first artists in residence actually is Sai Khan, a wonderful songwriter. And and one of the things he told us at that gathering and that he's been known to say for for many years is that, you know, when you are giving a concert to a group of people as an artist, as, as a progressive politically oriented artist, you have sort of a responsibility to think about the whole range of aspects to life. Now, one of those aspects of life might be fighting for justice and like confronting really hard, intractable problems. You know, another part is like our ability to love. And if we aren't able to sort of 
touch what love is, then what the heck are we fighting for when we're talking about a better society anyway? So he has written some absolutely fantastic love songs, and, you know, he's, he's a good proponent for this idea that, you know, artists should be able to present love songs along with songs about struggle. As the adage goes, you know, every song for justice is a love song in a way because it's about your love, your ridiculous, over-the-top love for the world. I mean, what could be more, more motivating to a person to fight for justice than to have that kind of crazy, head-over-heels love with the world? Sure. I mean, it is all about love, and it's on the atomistic level, and it's on the global level as well. So, But actually, you know, I was very interested a couple of years ago, there was some kind of a study, conservatives, liberals, and they looked at it from a number of different points of view. And one of the things they measured, by the way, was IQ and liberals tended to have, you know, a point or two higher average IQ. That didn't mean that you're smarter, therefore you're a liberal. But the thing that was most important to me was how do you define liberal or conservative and that might be relevant to the people's music network what they said is it's how big your circle of people that you care about is so a conservative can focus very locally it's about us my family my my city my state my nation but if you go global or if you go to races that are different than yours that's the kind of larger circle that defines you as liberal does that match for how it, you look at it in the People's Music Network? Many of the songs that we sing at People's Music Network are really designed, crafted, I would say, to cause people to think about their inherent connections to everybody else in the world. When you think about it, it is true. That basic attitude toward the rest of the world is a precondition for being able to engage meaningfully in struggles of solidarity. When you have um, immigrants in your own town who are being jailed, deported, and mistreated the whole way through, how do you stand up against the kinds of harms that are being inflicted against these people living so close to you? There is a craft to telling these kinds of stories. Our artists in residence from last year, 2013, was Emma's Revolution, Pat Humphreys and Sandy O. And they came up with this amazing song, If I Give Your Name. And it's a song about workers in the Twin Towers when they collapsed, how their families, the families of these people who died as workers in the Twin Towers, their families felt truly vulnerable and in danger of being deported should they talk about their experience of being hit by this massive disaster. And you just think about, like, for so many families who were harmed by what happened on September 11th, they were facing the loss of loved ones. And yet there was a space in this culture, a huge space created in order to mourn the loss of these people. But, you know, there's this whole other category of people who did not have the chance, the opportunity, to mourn their losses. And there's something horrible about any kind of loss when you lose loved one to violence like that. But when you lose a loved one to violence like that, and then there's no space for you in the culture to be able to acknowledge what you've lost, that's a lot worse. And, and this song was able to sort of dramatize that, and I think really, really pull people in and say, oh my God, you know, 
I can recognize what that person is going through. I can empathize with that person. And through that empathy, there is a very big door opened toward political action and toward political solidarity. And toward a wider view of who our community is, who we share things with. That's how I experienced that song. I have had both Pat and Sandy on my programs before. I've had PsyCon on. You've mentioned others. There's a lot of your members I've crossed with. Sarah Pirtle just recently. The story craft that each of these people uses They put us in a situation where all of a sudden we find ourselves connecting with things that haven't been part of our experience, but all of a sudden find room in our heart. And, you know, there's there's another artist who's going to be performing at the Friday night concert on June 6th at our gathering in, in High Falls, New York. His name is Patty Mills. He's got a song about the Bayview Massacre. This is an event that took place in Bayview, Wisconsin in 1886. It was part of the nationwide mobilization for the first May Day. This was an uprising of workers striking for the eight-hour day. It's a very powerful song. Patty is coming not only to perform on Friday, but he's going to be leading a song swap during the gathering, which is going to focus on songs of historical struggles, you know, the connection of history and political music. I wonder if we could take a listen to that song as well. Bayview Massacre, Patty Mills. On the corner of 5th and Mitchell, we gathered after Organize and protest for the rights of the working class For the rights of the working class We work 13 hours, 6 days a week For 90 cents a day Building fortunes for the bosses Without a voice to say Without a voice to say Eight hours for work, eight hours of rest And eight hours for what we will We'll give you eight hours of our very best But we won't rest until We get eight hours for what we At the AP Alice Reliance Works, they wouldn't let us in. We were turned back by the fire hoses of the boss's men. Of the boss's men. But the workers in that factory, they heard our battle cry. They came out to join us and we stood side by side. We stood side by side Eight hours for work Eight hours for rest And eight hours for what we will Our numbers grew As we marched down to The Bayview rolling down To get eight hours for what we will
Thanks to the militia if they try to enter the mill. The governor of Wisconsin said, shoot to kill. The governor said, shoot to kill. As we marched on down Bay Street, a peaceful protest we desired. But on 1,500 unarmed men, the militia opened fire. The militia opened fire. Eight hours for work, eight hours for rest. And eight hours for what we will. Eight men died by the lake side at Bayview we asked for eight hours for what we will A song near and dear to my heart. It's called The Bayview Massacre by Patty Mills. He's one of the members of the People's Music Network. We're speaking with Ben Grosscup, who is the director of the People's Music Network, their website, peoplesmusic.org. This is a group of people who are trying to change the world for the better through their song, through story, through, I think, bringing hearts and minds together to see things that otherwise we wouldn't see. And that's what I like to share on Spirit in Action. My website is northernspiritradio.org. On that website, you'll find almost nine years of interviews and shows and music with people who are trying to make a positive change in the world. Website, northernspiritradio.org. Also on that site, you can find comments. You can find links to our guests. There's a place to leave donations, and we need your support. In order to work effectively together, we have to pool our resources. So please support Northern Spirit Radio. But even more so, I want to encourage you to support your local community radio station. They bring you a slice of music and news that you just get nowhere else. It really brings the people together. And one of those people that gets brought together is Ben Crosscup, director of People's Music. Network. Now, we just listened to Bayview Massacre, and I wanted to comment why it's particularly close to me. In the song, they mention, for instance, Fifth and Mitchell, which is an area, Bayview, it's a neighborhood of Milwaukee. I lived about a mile away from there. I lived by Fifth and Lincoln, just a little bit south of Fifth and Mitchell, for five years when I first lived in Milwaukee. And so you're naming places and buildings and things that were all part of my experience as well. It really makes a difference. I don't know that people are still holding on to the fact that we can so easily be dominated by moneyed interests who, I guess, don't have our well-being in their minds. I think we've been trained by the mass media that we have these days to think that businesses are compassionate. Was that your experience, Ben? Is all businesses are compassionate? Well, I mean, I think that this is sort of the ideology of of the age, right? That it doesn't take any violence to run a market economy, that we can just have capitalist for-profit economy and, you know, everybody's just volunteering, you know, willingly to play it that way. But I think when you hear a song about historical moment when maybe it was more obvious than maybe what the current ideology would say, it was obvious in this situation that you had people organizing for their rights, standing up for what's really their rights as human beings to form a union, 
to have decent working conditions, to have decent pay, then they're met with this incredible violence from the police. When we can, can look at history in that way, I think that we can actually connect it with the kinds of things that we see on, on a daily basis in our society. I mean, it's not necessarily that in the United States anyway, you see in recent memory like huge massacres of people, which is what, what happened in Bayview on May 1st, 1886. We had eight people die from this police violence. But there is police violence, you know, in, in all other kinds of ways. When people organize for Occupy Wall Street and try to set up an encampment in their town, a nonviolent protest against the uh, inequality in society. And what are they met with but a coordinated nationwide attack against these encampments to try to root them out. So we're very much living with the same legacy, and being able to tell these historical stories is such an important way for us to be able to connect the past with the present and hopefully with an attitude towards the future that's geared towards change. And another one of those areas where we're fighting for change today is with the whole environmental crisis, and one aspect of that is hydrofracking. Where I grew up in Minnesota, and where I know you are in Wisconsin, there's an awful lot of mining of uh, a certain kind of sand that is used in this hydrofracking process. And basically, hydrofracking is that process where when you're out in like the shale gas country, large parts of New York and Pennsylvania are in this geological formation. And a lot of this hydrofracking is happening in Pennsylvania, and they're trying to push it into New York as well. And it's happening all over the country. It's really just environmentally devastating. And there's been very strong response to that. In the Northeast, people are organizing community by community to stop this kind of drilling from happening. And, and where I live in western Massachusetts, there's this massive resistance happening now against a pipeline that would bring fracked gas from Pennsylvania and other points to Massachusetts and along the way leak all of the toxic contaminants out of the pipeline into our communities and into the air and drinking water. Anyway, we got this one song by Colleen Kata, who's a long-term PMN member, and she's going to be performing at the Friday night concert on June 6th at Camp Epworth in High Falls, New York, and it's called Mama Don't Allow No Hydro Fracking Around Here. It's a parody based on an old traditional song. Mama Don't Allow No Hydro Fracking Around Here Mama don't allow no hydrofracking around here We don't care what the company said now Don't want no hydrofracking anyhow Mama don't allow no hydrofracking around here No, mama don't allow no heavy truck traffic around here Mama don't allow no heavy truck traffic around here We don't care what the company says now Don't want no heavy truck no way, no how Mama don't allow no heavy truck traffic around here Uh-uh, no, mama don't allow no wasted water around here Mama don't allow no wasted water around here We don't care what the company says now Don't want no wasted water anyhow Mama don't allow no wasted water around here Need some guitar around here Well, your daddy don't allow no dirty business around here Mama don't allow no fossils on fire around here We don't care what's coming stand I don't want no hydrofracking No way, no how Mama don't allow no hydrofracking around here
Belting out Mama Don't Allow No Hydrofracking Round Here. She's a member of the People's Music Network, and we have PMN's director, Ben Grosscup, with us here today on Spirit in Action. So many spirits in actions in PMN, some of them singing about hydrofracking. But actually, I believe that the original version of that song was about Mama not allowing something possibly even worse than hydrofracking. Mama Don't Allow No Guitar Picking Round Here. Scary, eh? Yeah. You zip in whatever kind of instrument you happen to be playing. No trumpet playing around here, no trombone playing around here, no clarinet, and you just sort of slip it in. It's it's a it's a fun traditional song, but also fun to put new lyrics and kind of take the fun of the original and preserve it while getting a new message across. You know, Ben, when I think of message music, I think of folk music, though I suppose you can deliver a message in any genre of music. But is there a tendency for PMN folks to do folk music in particular? I think folk means different things. I mean, on the one hand, folk is sort of as far as a niche marketing of music genres is concerned, kind of means, I don't think it's written down anywhere, but it's sort of like white person with an acoustic guitar singing about whatever. But it also has this other meaning, which I think is broader and more inclusive, and that's music of the people, music that comes out of people's experiences, that comes out of a tradition. And when I think of tradition, I think of like Pete Seeger, who was actually a driving force in PMN for many decades. He performed at the first PMN Winter Gathering, which took place in Washington, D.C. in 1981. He was a master of bringing all these musical traditions from the past into the present. Pete was able to take very complex ideas and express them through very simple words that were easy to sing. One of the things that Pete Seeger said is that if there is to be a human race here on the planet in the next hundred years, that the reason why it will still be there is because people will have figured out a way to sing together. It's a very optimistic comment, in some ways more optimistic than than I can imagine. But that, that singing would actually have that power is what I mean. But I place some stock in what he said there nonetheless, because I do think that the process of getting people to sing together is a different way of relating to each other. It makes us more human. I think that if we broaden out the concept of folk music, to not just be some sort of like, you know, niche marketed thing, it is broader. And at the same time, we also live in a world of genres. We also have some hip hop represented in PMN. Historically, I think PMN has sort of, if you had to sort of give it that sort of narrow genre kind of categorization, you would probably say, hey, look, there's a lot of folk music here. But I, we don't think of ourselves as a folk music organization. I think we're an organization that has a historical tie to these traditions of what's called folk music. But we're also trying to redefine what that means. Just how many people does the People's Music Network affect? And how big are your gatherings? Well, we get about 100 to 150 people at the gatherings. And it might be more this year. We'll see. It's really something to get everybody out and sharing music. We have small group workshops for a lot of the weekend as well as times for group sharing where individuals are given the opportunity to share a song with the entire group. And, you know, we get people who range, you know, people who are, are there for wanting to share 
the music that they're doing, people who come just to listen to the music as well. It's really a, a nice mix and, and a really good energy. These People's Music Network gatherings sound great, and I know you've got one coming up very soon. Give me all of the details again of where and when. We will be meeting from Friday, June 6th until Sunday, June 8th. It's at Camp Epworth in High Falls, New York, pretty close to Woodstock, New York, if that rings a bell. And we also are going to have the winter gathering in January 2015. It's January 23rd to 25th, 2015. We're going to be in Beacon, New York, the hometown of Pete Seeger. Our artists in residence for 2015 will be Kim and Reggie Harris. There's some more folks that I've had on Northern Spirit Radio shows. Kim and Reggie are great. They're wonderful artists. And I assume that there's more information and a place to register for the June 6th Summer Gathering on your website? Yes, indeed. Check it out there, peoplesmusic.org. And to be clear again, I don't need to be a musician to take part in and enjoy this. There are other non-musicians who will be there. What's the mix of attenders at a PMN gathering like? Well, we have people who are touring artists who come. We have people who are playing, you know, whenever they get the chance at the local activist organizations in their area who come. We have activists and lovers of music who don't consider themselves performers who come. You know, there's people who come who are, you know, promoting venues in their localities that promote this kind of socially conscious music. So it really is is a broad range of people engaging with music and social change on a variety of levels. I suspect that you might have a generous share of PMN musicians who were philosophy or English or women's studies majors at college, and I'm not sure that they're living really high off the hog on the not-so-much-money-making machine of folk activist music. Well, yeah, I mean, people at PMN are, some of them college-educated, some of them not. We get quite a variety of people from walks of life. You know, and I I wanted to share with you one song that I wrote, too, which is actually a co-write with a fellow named Ferd Wilkin, who is very much involved with the struggles around student debt. There's, as you probably know, a major crisis in this country right now with a trillion dollars of student debt on the books. And it's so much money that the economy is just unable to produce the amount of money in wages for workers to be able to pay that money back. So it's kind of this ridiculous situation of debt bondage. And it felt to me like there needed to be another song about it. And and there's a wonderful old song, 16 Tons, uh, which was about another era of debt slavery. So this song, Four Years of College, is about today's generation of debtors. Some people say you gotta get a degree And once you succeed you have to pay back the fee Now I'm paying my fees out on my own How am I ever gonna pay back my student loans? You go to four years of college and what do you get? A crappy job and a mountain of debt St. Peter, don't you call me Sally May I borrowed for school so I could get smart I studied my books and I did my part I took a full load of English and biology then I 
got a job serving coffee and tea. I go to four years of college, and what do you get? Crappy job and a mountain of debt. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I must stay. I owe my soul to Sally Mae. The banker kept a calling and he taunted and lied. But I couldn't pay no matter how much I tried. I owed so much, it felt like a joke. If I pay back my loans, I'll forever be broke. You go to four years of college, and what do you get? A crappy job and a mountain of debt. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I must stay. I owe my soul to Sally Mae. My dreams had suffered a crushing defeat So I hitched a ride down to Occupy Wall Street People were saying all over town If none of us pays, we can take the banks down Or else it's four years of college And what do you get? A crappy job and a mountain of debt St. Peter, don't you call me Cause I must stay Four years of college to the tune 16 tons that many of us know we sang it in grade school but i'm not sure that they teach maybe they don't share that anymore in grade school because that would be inciting people against the wage slavery that you get at mcdonald's or something you you flip forty thousand buns and what do you get <laughs> right yeah that's funny that they they sang that in grade school all that mining that you did in the twin cities growing up or i do over here in wisconsin of course we do have the frac sand mines going here oh my goodness actually that song four years of college do you have some skin in that game did you finish college and carry this crushing debt i had some debt no i mean my my situation was not nearly as bad as as many of my peers you know, uh, I'll tell you the story. I got an email from my friend Ford Wolken, who's involved with the Public Higher Education Network of Massachusetts, or FENOM. It's a group that promotes justice in the whole student debt debacle and trying to get free public education, you know, up into higher education. And, and he said, hey, you know, we're going to have a rally. I started writing this song. What, what do you think about it? And I, I said, oh, you've got a good chorus here. And I said, so I said, well, why, why don't I work on the verses a little bit? You know, so I've, I've worked on the verses, and it's, I found when I play that song for audiences, people really get it, and they get that the original song was about debt, and maybe for those of us who didn't grow up in a mining town, the original song is a little bit harder to sort of personally identify with what the actual subject matter is, but when we take that same melody and some of the same words and we apply the basic idea of being in debt to something that we deeply do know about, 
you know, being in debt because it's like just all over. I mean, people are literally going bankrupt because of this kind of crushing debt and really unable to pursue their life dreams in so many ways. And so that reality of life is known to so many people. And I think when they hear a song like that, it's an opportunity to relate an old idea in a new way. And this is one of the, the ways that I think Traditions of songwriting and songmaking are so important for political education and for fostering a sensibility of, of solidarity and, and oppositional politics, um, which is, is what, what we need in order to be able to change the world. Obviously, that's the job description for People's Music Network. We've been speaking today with Ben Grosscup. He is director of People's Music Network, their website, peoplesmusic.org. Org. Keep in mind their summer gathering coming up very shortly, June 6th to 8th. Go to the website and you can find out how to be part of their gathering in New York. Ben, it's great to see the work that all of you are doing, Connect with People's Music Network. Again, I had so many guests on my show who are connected directly or even possibly indirectly with your organization. I do think that giving us a song and a story that we carry in our hearts makes possible change that we can't do individually. So I thank you and all the folks working together to change this world in such wonderful ways. Thanks for joining me for Spirit in Action. Well, thank you so much, Mark. This has been really fun. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice.